Hi, welcome to Let's Talk About Sex Really. I'm Dr. Elisa Kriegel, and today's episode is Let's Talk About Letting Go of Shame. So shame's a big one. Um, I hear so many stories about people's, you know, difficulty with their body, with, with, being with someone with pleasure, with so many things. And, you know, I want to start with a story of my own. Um, I was 48 years old, just starting dating and realized that I didn't know if it was okay to sleep with someone, like how soon. And honestly, a big part of the dating experience for me after being in a relatively sexless marriage was to figure out sex. So if I felt hell, I was going to say if I felt a connection, if I liked the person, but if I felt like it, I kind of wanted it to be okay. And I was a little shocked at myself that at 48, I'm still like, worrying like who who's going to be talking about this who do i have to you know who am i having to prove something to um i was brought up by a fairly liberal mom she brought me for birth control didn't need them at 16 but she brought me she wanted me to know she wanted me to have it just in case and um we didn't talk about sex a lot but right it was sort of made that point to seem this is okay. But what I realize is I think there's so many messages we get that are not necessarily direct ones. Like we get all these messages from society, from the education or the miseducation or the lack of education. Um, is it okay to give this, right? Is it okay to to have sex with someone, to give them that, like as if, right, it's only for the guy, like it's the girl's responsibility to hold on to this and and not give this up, right? The whole buy the cow, milk, whatever the milk and cow, right? Like I didn't grow up with a mom who taught me that, but it was swirling around me. And at 48, it came back. And even this idea of sort of the slut shaming that we would see in school, right? Talking about who's the sluts, um, the that whole idea you'd see in movies, the walk of shame, the girl who stays the night in the guy's dorm and then has to walk through the next morning. Right? This is this is what we are raised with. And I was sort of blown away at 48 to see it so active. And what was really fascinating to me as well is that while I was in a different place and I was able to eventually, you know, get to a place where I was just okay doing what felt right to me, uh, that shame 
was still there. And sometimes as much support as I got in the dating world and from uh, from friends and other women, sometimes it was other women who were the most shaming. In fact, it was an incident about shame that is what inspired me to start this podcast. So I was out with friends and... This was recently, since I just started recently or, you know, within the last few months and uh, having a socially distant picnic um, and something came up casual and one friend made a comment about something I liked being sexual in a judgmental way. And this was someone who'd been judgmental before when I would tell stories about dating or sex, because truthfully, I was sort of excited to be talking about it after so many years, not talking about it and not having sex. And it was sort of like painful for so long, uh, both emotionally and physically, that there was a lot of joy to be experiencing this part of life and to have someone sort of like squash that joy was really upsetting and especially another woman and especially someone I considered a friend. And after the judgmental comment was made, all that came up because I had never really said anything, which is the talking part. Um, that's so important. But what I snapped back in that moment was at least I'm having sex someone else picked up on it. It was sort of made a joke like, oh, burn, burn, right? And when I left, I didn't feel good. And part what I realized is that not just had I been shamed repeatedly for years um, from this person, but that what I just did was so shaming to her that here I am, someone who really didn't have sex much and wasn't part of my life for almost 25 years, to be commenting on the lack of or how much sex someone is having, whether they're having tons of it or not at all, is not anything to be judged or shamed. And I realized, wow, so much of our communication with each other around sex is still so shame-based and that's not okay. And the podcast was born and that's why I'm doing this really at the heart of it is in the hopes that the talking and the education and honestly the comfort that we can find with sex is what is going to change things. Because so much of shame comes from our own discomfort and our own self-judgment. And we project it, we, we feel it, we put it on ourselves so harshly, but sometimes we also project it outward. And it's that discomfort and judgment that has been swirling around us for so long. So I want you to think about yourself and take some time 
to really notice where is your shame come up? Where are you hard on yourself? What prevents you from talking more about sex with friends, with a partner or lover? What prevents you or gets in the way if you're masturbating or want to have more sex or more time with yourself? What are the shame, the ideas, the thoughts, the beliefs that come up? Because I think it's really important that we start recognizing in ourself what comes up. I think it's also really important that we recognize that, of course, there's going to be shame because we live in a country where sex has so much history of shame around it. I like to call it the evil trifecta of shame. Uh, that would be the three P's, Puritanism, patriarchy, and porn. And so much of what we learn, so much of what is put out into our consciousness or unconscious minds comes from these things, right? Puritanism is what America is founded on. I don't know about you, but I think I read like the Scarlet Letter at least three times throughout junior high and high school, right? And it's all about that period, the, the, the original, you know, Puritan slut shaming, you know, wearing, wearing your sexuality with this giant A on your chest. And I think a lot of us still feel that or still worry about that, especially when we're younger. Um, and, and the patriarchal way. So, you know, the patriarchy and, and this sort of patriarchal way that sex is talked about is so much about, you know, the women as the gatekeeper for sex and, you know, boys will be boys, but, you know, even sort of more patriarchal religions have very much of this kind of attitude that of purity and, you know, you, you, you're supposed to be virginal and all of this, you know, frankly, bullshit, because at the end of the day, right, it's kind of, you know, the belief is, for me is it's no one else's business, but we'll get to that because the third one is porn. And what I see coming out of porn, aside from just such a bad way as you know, to, to learn about sex, sadly, so many people learn about sex from porn and it shouldn't be a how to manual, but it's also most porn is from a very patriarchal male perspective. And so it's sort of these fantasies of what a woman's body's supposed to look like and what sex is supposed to look like. And there's no lube and there's no condoms. And it's, it's, you know, just this really extreme uh, version and nothing wrong with it in terms of if that's what you like to kind of get you turned on. But as an education, we've all had 
so many of those images and ideas swirling around. And I think the problem with all of these things is that when there's a lack of information, it creates a vacuum that misinformation will fill. And so, so much of, I think, our own self-judgment and ideas about what sex should and shouldn't be comes from that vacuum that's been filled with misinformation from long ago history that we need to erase Puritan, the, the Puritans and the patriarchy and porn and replace it with something else. So that's the million dollar question. And I have an answer because there is a new movement that's been happening for some time and it's called, you know, the sex positive movement or sex positivity. And what sex positivity is, is basically a very different attitude philosophy that regards all consensual sexual activities as fundamentally healthy. And really the focus is on mutual pleasure, right? Pleasure as a birthright. Um, the sex positive, sex positive movement doesn't make any moral distinctions among different types of sexual activities between who, between what sexes, between how many people. And there's no distinction or judgment made on these choices because they're a matter of personal preference. And so for me, what I found is I started reading books, articles that had a much more sex positive perspective. And from that perspective, I realized this is about personal pleasure and it's about mutual pleasure. And if something is going to make me feel good and it's with another consenting an adult and they feel good about it, then there shouldn't be an issue, right? The issue is old stories. So it's old stories to get rid of, but it helps when we're erasing these old stories to have new stories and new beliefs and new thoughts to put in their place. So if we were to, you know, re-educate ourselves or if we could have a more universal sex education in this country, really, I think the basis of that is mutual pleasure, right? Mutual consensual pleasure. Because if we're looking at mutual consensual pleasure, it means that you can make a decision based on that and feel good about it. And it means if someone's too drunk to give that consent or feel pleasure, then it's not okay because it's not mutual pleasure. It's for the pleasure of one person. So what I would recommend to everyone is Google sex positive, right? See what comes up. There's a lot there. There's a lot of recommendations of what you can do to be more sex positive. There's definitions. There's books that are sex positive. 
And most of the books that are coming out in the last, you know, five plus years, most of the books about sex, even if we go back decades, right, the joy of sex, um, these are books that are really sex positive, that are embracing pleasure and positivity and mutual consensual joy. So think about what judgments and what beliefs still lead to some feelings that you have of shame and then see what you can find that looks interesting to you, be it an article or a book. I think I've recommended Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are. I It's an amazing read about understanding our bodies and pleasure and normalizing everything that we all experience. So find what looks good to you, what resonates with you and read it, practice sharing and talking about what you find with a friend, with a partner and start erasing those old tapes of shame and putting in some new information. So I know it worked for me. I'm hoping it can work for you. And honestly, I'm still working on it because every once in a while, old tapes are old tapes and they've been there a long time. So it's something, keep practicing. Don't get discouraged. Keep talking, keep reading, keep learning. And most of all, Keep listening and sharing this. I appreciate it. Until next time. Cheers.